Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 111 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Second Technician, Fossil Forester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this particular episode, we have the Chief Bar Steward of Lave Station, Mr. Grant Psychocow Wolcott. Hello! Good evening, everyone! We also have the Head of Health and Safety here at Lave Station. That would be Commander Edelweiss and Ben Moss-Woodward. Good evening, Commander Fozzer. Good evening, sir. We also have our Chief Archivist here, Commander Phoenix Defire, otherwise known as Colin Ford. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> and finally, bringing up his rear, uh, we have the Head of Station Entertainment's Commander Thane himself, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. I'm definitely bringing my rear. Definitely. <laughs> that is the new thing. It is indeed the new thing, bringing one's own rear to the party. Um, excellent. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's good to be back. I've been off for a couple of shows, and uh, the last time I was on a show, I think Beta had just landed. So Beta is now well and truly out there. It's gone live. We're now talking about 2.1 being out in the open, and it's caused a few waves, which obviously we'll get onto in this particular show. But before we get into the show, let's find out what these folks have been up to over the last week or so, starting with the Chief Bard's <laughs> the chief bar steward himself, Psycho Cow. What have you been up to, sir? Convoy! Big fat convoy. Did a big fat, 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 fat convoy on uh, Sunday afternoon there with the Hotbox team. That's the Hut and Robert the Truckers Xbox crew uh, with Pixel Bandits and some various other groups that joined us to do a reenactment of the run to Hutton Orbital. Yes, yes, that's right. We spent an hour and a half not touching the Xbox controller just while we waited to get into range. <laughs> but we had an awful lot of fun and it was good because they've not been able to take part in that kind of thing yet. And of course, with the release date of Horizons coming for them in what, the third? The third? Third of the sixth, the third sixth, third, uh, third of the sixth. That's right. Uh, they'll be able to join us with a planetary assault mission as well, which we've got planned. So lots of exciting stuff coming up for the Xboxes. But it was, it was great fun trying my best to land using the Xbox controller because once you get rusty on that thing, well, let's just say holler no shields landed with eight percent left. Wow! Wow! That is, that is a painful landing. That really is a painful landing. Uh, how many people do you have in the convoy, just out of interest? What sort of instances oh. are you guys getting up to on the Xbox? We didn't really... I mean, it was one of these things where we had maybe about 12 in one particular instance. The instancing's quite strange on the Xbox, and I'm not sure whether or not... Because on the PC, what we'd do is we'd load up our friends lists, but it's yeah. a bit trickier on the Xbox because you do have to add them to your friends list on the Xbox. So, although if you see them in-game and they're in your instance, you can kind of do a quick manoeuvre to send a friend request and it does it all for you. It just is a little bit weird. So I winged up with Commander Squibble and some other members. I think they were from the Pixel Bandits or they're part of his crew, and we did the run in that wing. And it was, yeah, it was... You know, it was good fun, again. Um, it's always great to be able to sort of do the live broadcasts and play music because you've got all that time to have a real carry-on <laughs> with people. Uh, and then later on that evening at 7pm, they did a multi-skip convoy to McCun to sell the mugs. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to join them for that. But, but uh, yeah, it's just nice to sort of bring people in and, and, again, get people going, why are we doing this? And then by the end of the convoy, they're absolutely hooked. 
on doing it again. So, a lot of fun there. Other than that, uh, this week we've been, my brother and I have been working hard on a replacement for the Hutton Orbital radio broadcasts, and it may well affect Lave Radio going forward too, because it's a slightly, it's new, it's a new service, and it's running very well, and the guy running it, is actually dealing with feedback. You know, you, you say something's wrong and he comes back and tells you roughly when he expects to fix it and then fixes it. And that's kind of rare in online streamers, I have to say. It is really rare in services to have somebody that not only listens to what you say, takes on your suggestions and comes up with alternatives, but actually talks to you and then does what they say. And it's really refreshing. And with the imminent demise, as we know it, of radionomy, uh, it is difficult to find something of a suitable replacement that will allow you to use commercial music to uh, and... And that's kind of, you know, critical for the radionomy um, people because we've all tried to find something to replace it. It's about to get... Oh, well, they've started geo-blocking and cutting down the audience and putting all the, the legal pressure onto the station owners. And yep. and that's always a bad sign. It's kind of like, no, nah, we're going to wash our hands. It's no longer our responsibility, yours. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Sony, it's their fault. You sue them. So... It's one of these situations where this litigation is always making people dot their I's and cross their T's to make sure that their arses are covered. Unfortunately, it may well be too late for the user base because we're all kind of migrating in droves. So that's what we've been working on. Mr. Saimuth has been battering his head solidly for days on it and I've been working with him and trying to create the live broadcast and the live hookins which we succeeded with today and now I'm trying to work on some other wee audio tech. So it's been a kind of a week of bug fixing. Um had Susie out at the shops again. We did a wee shopping trip to Asda so that was good and she goes <laughs> Today, tomorrow, when Thursday? Thursday she's going for an eye test at an optician's. Now this wow. might sound completely and utterly mundane, but this is amazing, because if you've ever tried to get an eye test done at home, you can. It's a pain in the arse, mm. and by the time all the bits and pieces and paperwork come through, your prescription for your eyes has probably changed. Also, <laughs> if you can't read the writing, you have to then email somebody and try and work out that way. It is just a nightmare. So this is huge change for us and uh, looking forward to, even though it's you know sitting and waiting and being really bored, uh, it's just the, the small things that really, really matter. And then we'll maybe even go and grab some lunch on the way home. It's just, yeah, things are getting really, really good at the moment and I'm not going to touch wood that yeah, it continues to do, do so. that. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic. The amount of progress you guys are making is just amazing, you know. Team Susie is really going from strength to strength. And, uh, yeah, okay, uh, to be fair, I think taking it to Asda is not really that nice a thing you could be doing. You could maybe, that's maybe a bit more of a punishment one. Uh, but the, the opticians and actually getting a proper set of uh, she spectacles took me and stuff. She to Ikea. She deserves everything she gets. That have to get revenge and take her to Asda, for heaven's sakes. I mean, come on. <laughs> to could at least take her to Waitrose. <laughs> this is Scotland. <laughs> it's too much fruit and waitrose. <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't. You know, they're all boarded up. Uh, there is a waitrose nearby, but it is. You know, it's it's just doing the small tasks. And up by the as, there's a wee small jewellers that actually stocks gorgeous statues in the window. So she's oh, actually been able to see her product in the window. And although it, I think it's still kind of surreal, and she feels that the rug is going to be pulled from under her at any minute, uh, we are just continuing to push her and not accept her. Uh, 
insecurities and letting her back down. It's like, nope, we said we're going to go out, we're going to go out today, and no matter what you say, you're going to have to go, because if you don't, come six o'clock tonight, you're going to be miserable as mm. sin. So, go so far, so good. Great stuff, mate. Awesome. Okay, talking about miserable as sin, Colin, what have you been up to this week? Oh, thank, <laughs> thanks a bunch you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's see. Um, the good news is that my mother is out of heart surgery and on good uh, on a good way of uh, good recovery, which is why I haven't been about that much. I missed the last couple of weeks of beta, mostly because I had to head up head up north uh, and uh, basically uh, help look after her for for a little while. Um, and then I came back and uh, two point one dropped. And I've been playing the stuffing out of it for the last few days. And to tell you the truth, as we'll probably come on to, it's been playing the stuffing out of me. So, <laughs> yes. As, as Top Shift 61 came out um, a couple of days ago, you're now able to see how much stuffing it took out of me. So <laughs> feel free to, to download, watch that and laugh. Well, I mean, obviously we will come on to this later on, but just, just so I'm clear in my head, what's your current combat uh, ranking? My combat ranking at the moment is, oh, hang on, Master. Master. Okay, fine. Yes. We'll come on to that in a little bit. Um, but okay, so it sounds like it's a great week. So really good news about your mum coming out of hospital, mate. Is she out of hospital or just down to a, a different status? Oh, no, she is, she's out of hospital. So basically she had the heart up, let's see, a week last Thursday, and she finally came home uh, two days ago. So um, it's good news all around there, thankfully. <laughs> That's brilliant, mate. I'm really chuffed. Um, Jarvis, what have you been up to? I have been actually I went to a uh, board games day on Saturday which was cool which was nice to uh, you know I've, uh, I consider it a bit of a victory if I go to a board games day uh, this is up in Beeston near Nottingham uh, and if I go and only play board games that I've never played before <laughs> so what happens every time is I take along a huge bag of board games that I think other people will love and then I leave them in the boot of my car and I play other people's games um, so yeah that was really that was, that was good fun um, and then I just get, wasn't well um, Sunday which is a shame because I was going to play lots of Elite Sunday and then I was just feeling really run down and I actually spent most of the day asleep um, but mostly I have been working on editing the Chaos Reborn audio drama and the obviously Escape Velocity I was going to say, do you want to give us a quick status update on how they're both, how they're both doing? They're both going fine. I'm basically doing what I kind of consider the directing edit, which is where I take all my studio sessions um, and I go through and I edit the dialogue for each of the scenes together um and basically yeah basically i'm going through because i because i do a few takes of different things it's really a case of going through and picking out which are the kind of best performances and sometimes that's even down to a line by line basis generally speaking i use the last take because that's most of the time that's when people are at their best but actually every now and again you'll hear a line and you'll think oh, i'm not sure about that and if you just compare it to a different take you'll think actually that performance is either it's either better or they do something that's vocally a little bit more interesting and you think actually you know i quite like the way that sounds i'll, I'll swap that in so um yeah i'm basically just basically just cutting all the dialogue together so that then when i actually sit down and do the music and sound effects edit um it's all kind of there all the dialogue has been cleaned up and volumes maximized and all those sorts of things uh and it just gives me uh, a slightly easier working environment when i come to do the more technical stuff basically 
<laughs> basically i don't think anything about what you just said was basic mate <laughs> it's what i do this is you know <laughs> it's my thing um but yeah and i'm sort of waiting so alan's uh composing some original music again for me so we're going to have some more though i'm sure there'll be some music in escape velocity that will be familiar and people will have heard before um but there will hope there will be some new music as well uh, and also chaos reborn i know because alan's worked so hard on all kinds of chaos reborn um stuff and you know from different elements he was really keen because i kind of said to him i said oh look you know you do all this music for you for for me for escape velocity do you you know do you want to do the chaos reborn stuff um and he was like oh no 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 i really want to really want to contribute to that so he's he's working on some music which would be really nice for him because it'll be you know it'll be very different to what we've done for escape velocity because it's a totally different genre uh so he'll get to kind of stretch his um you know flex his fantasy muscles that sounds really wrong it really does doesn't it i wasn't going to go there but yeah the (laughs) the idea of stradi um flexing his fantasy muscles I've got I've got baby oil images in my head. It's not good. It's like wolf, oh. it's like wolf, wolf from Gladiator with Alan's head. Anyway, yeah. could it have just stayed in your head? Did it have to be shared with the group? I like to share these things. Oh. Um, yeah. Hey, but for those of you, because I like to bore people about board games, for those of you who are interested in what I was playing on uh, Saturday, uh, I played some Stone Age, which was excellent, uh, and I only didn't buy it because um, I've got loads of four-player games, and to be honest, I need stuff that supports more, more players. Uh, but I did buy Formula D, which is basically, uh, for people who've played it, they'll know, but for anyone else, it's a Formula One board game, racing game, but it gives you a little gearbox, and you have to gear down properly around corners and it simulates things like tyre wear and brake disc wear and stuff like that so it, it's basically it's awesome I may well bring it to Lavecon because it's really? hilarious with 10 people <laughs> it takes about 3 hours but it's hilarious oh my god ok count me out for that one I take it was this um, this board game event was it happening in Nottingham because that's the one that you normally go to isn't it there's basically there's a board game shop in Beeston which is just outside Nottingham it's called Chimera a uh, fantastic guy that runs it and basically the last saturday of every month they just have like an all-day board gaming in the shop thing and people just bring board games sit around on tables eat snacks just share each other's games meet people um if you know tony who came and did some of the street pass nintendo yeah. street pass stuff at previous slave cons he goes and a bunch of the street pass guys are there uh, and it's just a really it's just a really great I mean, because board games are kind of, I think modern, interesting board games are kind of expensive. You know, I mean, I've, well, I've, it's been a long time since I paid less than um, sort of 30, 40 quid for a board game. So mm. it, 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 days like this are a really good opportunity to try loads of different games. The things that you've heard of, like Betrayal House on the Hill, Dead of Winter. I mean, obviously you can do this at Lavecon, um, but this is month by month, a really great way of just going and trying out some different stuff. Excellent. Groovy. Okay. Uh, finally, Mr. Mr. Woodward, what have you been up to? Absolutely nothing until today in game. Uh, out of game, I've been doing Docker's recordings, and we had a. I think it's safe to say that we had a fairly epic recording session on Wednesday, Grant. Yes. Um, yes. It was. It was definitely epic. Um, and apart from that, I've been hanging out with my, my kids and family, which is also awesome. It was- uh, got went to see X Men Two. And, which was that was quite good, and I saw the what was it again? Oh, Angry Birds film, and my brother-in-law fell asleep in that, which kind of says it all, really. Yeah, 
No, I can yeah. completely agree with that. Um, in fact, I also went to see the Angry Bird movie yesterday. Uh, I took my five-year-old son. Uh, <laughs> yep. And it's the first time he's been to the cinema. He's gone to matinees and stuff like that and afternoon showings of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's the first time he's gone to like a proper big cinema with a big cinema screen. And the first time he's gone alone with his dad. And obviously I gave him a big bag of you know sweet popcorn. That was absolutely fine. I did kind of make a mistake, though. I did, I did kind of break the boy. Because uh, I got one of those um, Tango Icy Blasts. Cause they, made, <laughs> they made them into this sort of shape of a of a dynamite stick, which I thought was really cool. He was bouncing so I, off the ceiling, wasn't he? It, it was kind of like the, the the kid equivalent of speed, and I didn't realise that <laughs> until he came out of the cinema in Nottingham and was literally bouncing up and down every single oh, corner of the city, yes. speaking at ten thousand words a second. And I just looked at it and I thought, yeah. Um, well, Probably won't be doing that again in the future, but you know, you live well, and learn. I, I, I have an idea. We, we're planning on taking my four-year-old to see Fire, Finding Dory when it comes out next month. Because mm-hmm. uh, he, he's been begging me to take him to the cinema. Because you know, I'm always taking his big brother, and but Avengers films and things like that are a bit too yeah. they're a bit too grown up for a four-year-old. So I was like, when Finding Dory comes out, we'll see what we can do, and me and Mummy and Uncle and his uncle and everyone like that will will take you out to the cinema. But we might see about getting one of those Tango Blasters one because that could be quite. It's, it's highly entertaining. Yeah, I got more entertainment out of watching him absolutely high as a kite bouncing off the walls uh, than I did yeah. from the Angry Bird movie. I've I've got a pass, so I didn't have to pay for the Angry Birds movie. So yeah, I got my money's worth, and I'll say that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fair enough. Right, well, uh, let's crack on. I probably should have said, actually, that if you want to, you can, of course, join us uh, live. We're hanging out in game. Uh, We're not in beach anymore, so you're hanging out in open in the main game, somewhere between the planet Lave and Lave Station. If you just search for the civilian broadcast in the system, you should find the orange sidewinder floating somewhere between the planet and the station. And at the moment, I can see that we've got Commander Ventura, otherwise known as Jimba, out here. And we've also got Commander Iwa as well, who's uh, shining some very pretty red lasers. So I'm assuming he's had a few conversations with the engineers already, which is quite impressive. Um, okay, who else is hanging out in game? Uh, Colin, I think you're on your way here, aren't you? Obviously not. Jarvis? Already, he must be interdicted. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to finish off some uh, missions that I picked up for Lave Radio Network earlier today. Um, I, I, I can't land. I'm in a crater, and it's telling me I've got good alignment, but when I shuttle down, it won't land. So, that's my fun and games. Sorry, it's really boring on Twitch. You're going to see me bouncing up and down off this rock for the next <laughs> ten minutes. Um, interestingly, uh, with the changes from the beta, I was a little bit concerned, because I, I did my grind to get my, uh, my association with the Lave Radio Network up to um, Allied just before it went into beta. And as soon as it went over into beta, obviously, they've got different reputation levels now. So instead of just having sort of friendly and allied, you've now got cordial. Uh, and in the main game, I was allied. And in the beta, I was cordial. So I had a horrible feeling that when it came from actually coming out of beta, I was going to get bumped back down. But they've kept it to where it was before. So I'm actually allied now with the Lave Radio Network, which which took some doing because the missions were not always easy to come by. Um, but yes, I think now that uh, now that I'm allied, what are, you, what are you guys currently sitting at? Anybody else allied with the the Lave Radio Network, or are you just still friendly? Oh, I'm, I'm friendly. Well. <laughs> what a time, Ben. I'm friendly. Friendly, Jarvis. Yeah, I'm friendly or I think I'm allied actually. Oh, good effort. I think I put the work in. Uh, Grant. Who? 
I thought that would be the answer. I knew that would be the answer, you lazy fecker. Uh, get your ass back to Lave and do some missions for us. Colin? <laughs> Grant's ass is broken. We can't ask him that. <laughs> Colin, what are you up to? Oh, he's definitely been interdicted. Yeah. Okay. He's, so. he's, been, he's been interdicted in his house by a small child, so you'll be back with us in a second. Right, no worries. Um, well, whilst we're talking about the Labour Radio Network, let's uh, let's decide what we're going to do. Obviously, Jarvis, you're doing some missions at the moment. If anybody wants to help you out, that would be awesome. Um, the plan is, and the plan will be unfolded over the next couple of weeks or so, but I think it's time that we, we did something with the Lave Radio Network. During the beta, we plummeted down to 5% in terms of system influence. I think it's time we took that on a little bit further and also tried to get ourselves a station of some description, which means we have to take on one of the, the minor factions that are controlling those stations either it's the wireless station or if you want one with a large landing pad there's the one down on the planet's surface which is called someone help me out nobody knows what it's called no we're just not just thinking, is that, <laughs> just thinking is that planet still accessible because i thought the planet was locked off now no, the planet is now locked off but you can you can get to castellan station um it does just involve nearly landing on the planet because it's uh it's within basically the the Castellan station orbits within orbital cruise radius, right. which is novel. Okay, so we've got two uh, two outposts that we can go after. Then, um, so we can either go after Castellan station or we can go after Warrenus. Uh, and I can't for the life of me remember who owns either one of those. But upshot being, we need to try and get our system influence to somewhere near them or drag them somewhere near us and enter into a period of civil war with them. So we'll be looking at what that's actually going to entail. We're going to ask some of the guys at the, uh, the Hutton Orbital Truckers who know far more about this stuff than we do uh, what exactly we need to do and then what we should do is we should put it out on our Facebook group and Twitter. So if you want to come and help us out and get us into civil war and actually get the Lave Radio Network a station, uh, we would very much appreciate your help. But just for the moment, if you want to help Jarvis out completing some of his missions, if you're in-game and you want to give him a hand, uh, where can they find you, Jarvis? Bouncing up and down on which station? Yep, he's not there either. I don't know where sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does look Sorry, like and I'm I'm muted as well. Sorry, uh, I am on a I'm on a planet in Usa, right? Currently, trying to just looking very carefully at this outpost and seeing if I can do it without getting destroyed again. <laughs> um, so I'm at Usa. I'm at a place called Gibson Point. If anybody wants to come and help me destroy some, all I've got to do is kill four skimmers. You wouldn't think it would be hard, but for some reason, it's now insane. So, there you go. <laughs> okay, perfect. In which case, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to have a, a quick look over some of the latest dev news, as always. Uh, there's been a, an Ask Me Anything from David Braben, and there's been an absolute mammoth live stream from David and the rest of the Frontier Development guys, Michael Brooks, Sandy Samarco, Ed Lewis has obviously been hosting that. So we've got a little summary about that. We're going to pick out some of the stuff that we found interesting. Um, and... Yeah, we're, the main topic for this particular episode is one that we've all been discussing for the last couple of days, and that's about the AI in-game. Um, yeah, Whether or not the fact that the AI has improved so much that it basically should draw a, everybody should be put back to a blank slate because nobody's skill sets and nobody's rankings actually make... Um, make <laughs> make reality anymore. They uh, they are completely and utterly uh, yeah out of kilter with the reality of the AI pilots out there. So we'll come on to that for our main discussion. So after this quick advert, we shall be back with the development news. What? <laughs> okay, here we go. I will. I will. I will just go find the right button to press. Here we go. We buy any ship. 
Bar none. We buy any ship. Bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship. Bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship Bar None are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is, we take any ship. We buy any ship. Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Ada, Anaconda, Asp, Bauer, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Mori, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsel, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Fargoid vessels. Live radio! It's even louder than me! Wait a minute! I can't be right! On the far side of the bubble... On the dark side of an airless moon. On the slightly more interesting side of a ravine. There lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank. Really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, monkey, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagom, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, Come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw. Hooma, hooma, nooka, nooka, wappa, wappa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. Awesome, and we are back. And a nice shout to uh, Commander Ignis J. Riley for uh, that advert. Yes, it's a beta advert, but still, it's uh, such a good advert, uh, we couldn't help ourselves from playing it. Um, maybe we need a new advert for the, uh, <laughs> for the open, uh, for the actual launch date. Okay, so let's just have a, a quick nosy through the development news. Did anybody manage to catch the Ask Him Anything uh, with David Braben? So anything that particularly jumped out of there that people want to uh, to pick up on? Uh, let's go with with Ben. Ben, what did you see out of this that you? I, thought I, I was... think we have to pick up on the same thing David picked up on. Frankly, that the uh, commander. Crazy Keith's story about his son, who's autistic, who plays Elite Dangerous on the Xbox with him, and I, I, it was just such a heartwarming story. It was a lovely little thing. Um, you know, he just—he's only—he's quite a young lad, uh, only four years old. Also, he's got an awesome name. He's also—he's another Ben. Um, and you know, he just does little bits and bats, helping his, his command, his dad on the Xbox flying around. But it's just—it's a nice, warm and fuzzy story that it warms the cockles of your heart or something. <laughs> No, absolutely. So he's on the autistic spectrum, but yeah, yeah, they were saying that he's absolutely fascinated by space. But he can tell you all about dwarf planets and moons, asteroids, and comets, which is fantastic. Because I have to be honest, at four year olds, I said didn't tell you anything about dwarf planets and moons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I've noticed elites. I'm going to blame elites. Has gotten my son interested in 
things like that as well. And you know, he's only eight years old, and he knows all like a whole load of stuff about the oh the periodic table and things. And I don't remember doing any of that stuff till I was a teenager. Which yeah, I'm quite am- I'm quite amazed by the stuff they're learning these days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at the uh, the Ask Me Anything, there did seem to be a lot of, yes, that's a good idea, or yes, it's coming soon. There didn't seem to be a lot of sort of concrete uh, new information that came out of either the Ask Me Anything or indeed the, the marathon eight-hour um, update. But certainly little things like um, <laughs> mining on planets, we found out that, you know, they like it's a good idea, Um there's no ETA for it, but it's certainly planned. Um, <laughs> Grant, I take it you were just about to say the same thing. Yeah, because everyone wants to have their minor, don't they? They want to have the minor. Um, <laughs> their MB4. Yeah, their MB4. They want to be plumping it down in a planet and coming back and collecting it all. And it is, it's a great idea. And I think um, <clears throat> from the Alpha Days, when we talked about the fact that you know there will be no spreadsheet manager, there will be no... Uh, planet station owner manager games you know a station simulator and things like that i think we're slowly but surely beginning to start the approach to running kind of player run marketplaces at some point maybe you know not in the next two or three major releases or two three seasons but it just seems to be that with all these customizations it's not going to be long before we have actual players that are engineers you know that we've worked their way up the ranks and are now qualified to perform different kinds of upgrades on other player ships and that could be quite exciting for the future, not now Yeah, I mean it's interesting what people say they want because um, for me all that sort of thing, it starts to make us slide ever so slightly more towards what EVE became in the end in terms of everything that was made in game was actually produced by a player um, and I'm not entirely sure that we want to go down that route, I mean there's, Eve is a great game, it has lots of good things going for it, but that's not the game I want in Elite Dangerous. Um, and it does almost become you know, spreadsheets and databases and all that jazz. Um, Elite's more about sort of the arcade side of things, and I'm not entirely sure we want to say to David, you know, we want this and we want that, just make it more like, more like Eve. Where do you draw the line? I don't know. But it is one of these things where everything seems to be... I mean, maybe it's 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 one of these situations where if you listen to your user base, you get these kind of situations where it becomes more user-controlled. But um, I think, you know, it would be nice to have a kind of station that you can call home or, you know, being able to buy quarters, maybe being a small thing. We've always liked that kind of connection where you can create your reputation with a station and it becomes yours. You know, it feels like it's yours at the moment. We all have our own self-declared station and still, I think, for me anyway, I still like the idea of being able to land on a planet and going to my own personal quarters that, you know, you can kit out how you like. And I don't quite enjoy the like the thoughts of having human engineers but it just seems to be that you know we're going to get to that point where it's I mean how many people turned off before this new update uh, because there was nothing new for so long so they'd kind of felt that they'd done everything and there was nothing to keep them playing at some point we're going to hit that plateau where the only next thing to get people back is to sort of allow them to run some part of the game that brings a new challenge and I think that's the sort of it's going to, that is going to be the challenge once we get to sort of like four or five seasons time when you can't really create any more in-game content and 
creating a new enemy or creating a new political scenario isn't going to cut it. That's an interesting thought. I mean, that's a long way down the line, but it'd be an interesting point to get where you actually get content saturation and there's no new ideas in terms of um, emerging gameplay. Uh, Because obviously you've got to remember that uh, when you're talking about the game, they're already working on walking on planets and walking in stations. Um, you know, we've already seen people doing races either in ships or in on the on the planets. You know, so you've got that sort of element. You've got the racing element. You've got the space simulator element. You've got the the walking around first person element. Um, you know, that, there's a massive potential for creating new gameplay out of all those different uh, genres. Uh, but you're right, there will come a point where potentially they will reach saturation. And then, you know, where do you go from there? Ben? It's just some, that's actually something I was talking about with the guys today that I've always wanted and I would love to be able to, you know, for example, hire Commander Ashley Wilkinson to escort me doing, taking my coffee to this community goal because you know 2.1 is a bit scary and dangerous now yeah so having a wingman along is a good idea but it'd be nice to yeah okay fine i'm taking this from here to there i want to be able to say i will hire you to escort me and if you do all these things then i'll give you money Mm -hmm. and I, i think this would be an excellent way to add create user-generated missions, basically, is the way that it would eventually turn out to be. Uh, now, it's a heck of a lot of work. How do you make it not overpowered? How do you prevent the gold farming and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. But it, it could potentially add limitless content with that as well. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, you know, we've got multi-crew coming up. Yep. How do you think that might uh, sort of impact what you're saying? I mean, would that be a nice stopgap? I mean, can you pay your multi-crew, or is it literally just friends will come on board, do you think? I think it's friends will come on board and they won't get a penny, but I might be wrong. I hope they do, because it's something that we noticed in the um, just in the community discussion about beta that, frankly, Elite doesn't really reward playing with other people. Mm-hmm. So, what things could and should Elite Frontier do to encourage that? Yeah, and you've got the the old tropes from playing MMOs when you party up and you all get a ten percent XP boost or something like that. Um, yeah, that's that's one potential idea. Yeah, uh, there's a whole load of others as well. Um, I would like to be able to, for example, share any missions I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, when Jarvis and I were out doing stuff for Lay Radio Network, I couldn't actually, I didn't mind helping him, but it would have been so much nicer if I could have repped up and gotten some thank yous from Lay Radio Network for helping Jarvis doing his missions. But obviously yeah. there's a whole load of technical things no, I think around it's a good that idea. as well. Mm. No, I think that's a really good idea. Um, but I mean, you do get uh, a trade bonus when people are doing uh, or, uh, stuff in wings, don't you? So there is an yeah. element of already where you can share things. So if you, um, if you join up on missions, I don't think it should be that hard to, uh, to share or you know, copy those things across. Are we something something I think would be nice? I don't know exactly how you'd do it. Um, there's a bazillion probably technical terms that you have to think about, which obviously we haven't, but I, I don't know, just something that would help us and encouraging more people to wing up to 
to play together because you know when you play t- when you play with your friends it's fun. Quite <laughs> yeah. a phrase. Yeah, I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> a little bit more information from uh, from the. It is. Thing. It really is. <laughs> a little bit more information from the uh, Ask Me Anything regarding barnacles uh, and the fact that they are <clears throat> indeed a life form but they are genetically engineered did anybody uh, pick up on this post? well I was under the impression that, it, that they were genetically engineered anyway um, I got this, this strange feeling the first time I saw them I thought those are organic life forms that have been created for a purpose uh, obviously to create these meta-alloys because they, they didn't look as if they were sentient in any way. So you think they're, they're genetically engineered mining machines? I, I effectively think so, yes. Yeah, they're equivalent to our MB4 mining machine. I think that's quite a cool idea. Well, we all know that there is a, there is a, a race out there that ha- is, um, how should we put it, very good with organic technology. Yes, indeed. And I do wonder whether Shadows. or not we're going to... <laughs> this is not Babylon 5 oh man <laughs> um, yeah do we think that they're going to pull that one obviously we've got one, um, one, one unannounced thing at the end of the season um, do we think that's going to be the uh, introduction of an alien race ready for the next update winter is coming yeah exactly yeah Mm. <laughs> as soon as you heard that you thought right that's, that's <laughs> so yeah if they were to sort of do a little bit of a teaser for the last two point whatever update and then obviously three season three is all about the new alien race coming into the galaxy well, that might be that that does seem to be a um a way a way to introduce the whole new race you think about it i mean we always thought that season three would probably be walking around ships what happens if season three is having to do with uh, an alien incursion mm. okay just looking at some of the other stuff that's uh, that came out of the uh, ask me anything uh just a few uh, little things such as they are interested in power decals to uh, identify your ship and to which particular power you are associated with that'd be quite a nice touch i think that should be uh I think that's long overdue. Uh, David's also said that some developers are indeed working on planets, walking on planets, atmosphere on planet, planetary life, and other exciting things for the future of Elite. Um, I mean, that's not news, is it? You'd be expecting that they're already doing that sort of thing, even if it's a, another year or even a year and a half away. Um, but I tell you what, obviously the people that work on those, when Jarvis and I went down to, uh, to Frontier Towers, had their screens turned off, or, you know, as soon as they saw us coming, they, uh, they shuffled out of the way, because uh, we saw none of that, and I would have loved to have seen what they're going to be doing on, uh, on planets with atmospheres. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm really excited to see what, if anything, we co- have coming up. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much potential, and there's so much rich content that could come. But and it's a question of when, isn't it? It's one of these things, though, where, you know, it, we really do... It's... An alien race is going to be such a significant change to the feel of the game. Um, it, it really is going to completely and utterly shake it. If we're complaining about the AI being a pain in the arse now, when we add in what will be the cream de la cream of uh, combat with the the potential Thargoids or another, 
then it really is going to to be a, a real shake-up to the game because your simple jumps aren't going to be simple. At the moment, people are you know are already sort of filling their breeks when they do a simple jump now and they end up in an, an anarchy system and suddenly they realise what anarchy means. And we've been talking about the fact that that really has been missing from this game because in the original Elite, you went into an anarchy system, you spent 20 minutes trying to stay alive and then died. And, uh, you know, now we've got this in the game, it kind of feels right. I mean, you can still highway, you can get your arse out of there. But it's adding that sense of dangerous to it. But I think once we add an alien race, we're really shaking the game up. We're we're totally, you know, well, essentially all the explorers have been screwed because they're going to be out there on their own. They're already quaking on the skirts of the bubble, sitting there going, can someone come and guide me in, please? I don't want to face the AI on my own. <laughs> and, you know, that that's... That's really good. You know, that's exciting. Okay, it might feel quite unfair and unpleasant, but um, it's one of those things. Um, Chris Jarvis, I'm just watching on on the screen, Chris. You seem to be in some serious crap there. Yeah, do you know what? I, I parked my ship a little bit too close to an installation and then drove around in my SRV attacking skimmers. Um, and then I thought, oh, that's it. I finished the mission. I'll fly back to my ship. And when I got back to my ship, it was under fire from turrets and skimmers. So I thought rather than watch it blow up on the ground, I will send my ship back up into orbit and find a slightly safer space to rendezvous with it. Okay. Well, yeah. So the difficulties the difficulties already been interesting for me because this is a, a single plus security installation. Um and previously I'd have just kind of walked up to this one and just, just dealt with it. Um but actually this has been quite a challenge. I've actually got a three plus security installation to do next, so I'm really hoping some people are gonna come and help me because I won't be able to do it. <laughs> Basically. And and maybe that's what you know what all the the AI things and certainly when it comes to our, an alien race, it really is going to force people to wing up. So it's going to become the the sort of uh, end of the lone wolf and you know pirates. I just love the idea of pirates suddenly being hunted down by aliens as well, and you know and and actually having to really struggle to to make it through. It's just I, I can't wait to see what's, how how the game's going to feel from that point onwards. I have a view on it, though. I mean, just, you know, without us getting into the kind of specific discussion around the AI and stuff, um, there's a part of me that's kind of concerned that the game will become geared around forcing, you know, essentially forcing by design um, people to, to have to play in multiplayer. And it's not that I don't enjoy that. I mean, often I don't enjoy that. But it's not that necessarily that's a problem. But I've found myself time and time again walking away from games that I have to play in multiplayer. Not because I don't enjoy them, just because it becomes impractical. So recently, I um, a few months ago, I got the, the Zelda Triforce Heroes. Now, this is a game that you have to play with a group of three players. There's no way around it. You have to get two other players to come and join your game and go and play it together. Now, that's great. If you've got the time and the the, the sort of personal organisation to get a couple of friends together, that game was absolutely amazing. It was completely brilliant playing a Zelda game 
with co-op puzzles. Just, just brilliant. The problem is, is that if you're someone like me, or if you're someone who's, you know, if you're someone who's busy and has to kind of fit gaming in around other things, you end up playing with randoms on the internet. And I will be honest, randoms on the internet are rubbish to play games with. Yep. They're terrible. I really like playing multiplayer games with friends, but if I have to play with people online that I don't know, um, that Zelda game, I, I traded it in. And I, I went back to the, you know, I mentioned if I was in game the other day and they said, oh, why'd you trade it in? I said, because you had to play with people online and no one I could find to play with was, was fun to play games with. And they said, oh, couldn't you play it in single player? And the thing that was interesting was the game on, on, the, on the box blurb allowed you to play in single player because there was this mode where you could pick up your other two avatars and throw them to where you needed them. But in practice, the game was much too hard to play on your own and that that's slightly my concern about the way elite dangerous is going i don't mind it being so hard that it needs to team up i just think it'll kill the game for me i think if i can't drop on at times that are convenient to me bimble around for half an hour and then stop playing it, it's not going to be it's not going to be accessible to someone like me i'm going to have to find you know much as it pains me to say it, I'd be looking around at other space games and thinking, well, which ones, which ones can I play in a way that suits the way that I game? Um, because to make it, you know, to make it a, a multiplayer-only experience... And I, the thing is, we're being a bit unfair, I don't think Frontier... If you asked people at Frontier, or you asked Zach or asked anybody, they don't want to make it a game that you can't play in single-player. But I think for... For a lot of elite players who are older and have family commitments and jobs and all these things, you basically have a choice between either only playing the game when you can coordinate with friends to do multiplayer or trying to play the game so much that you become skilled and kitted out enough to survive in single player. And I think that's, for a lot of people, that's not really going to be a very viable option. Yeah. No, I agree, and I was just uh, I was just chuckling away because for some reason I think we might have lost Grant because uh, I've just seen his Steam notification jump up, and uh, it turns out he's now playing a town called uh, Salem, which is a game that I immediately thought of when you were mentioning about the fact of how crap it is sometimes playing with just randoms from the internet. Because a town called Salem or the town of Salem uh, is a great, fantastic game, but playing it with randoms off the internet it just sucks balls so badly. Um, Grant, are you actually still with us, or are you actually go off to play a different game now? No, no I'm still here. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I'm so why a- did your Steam say that you were just <laughs> off to play the town of Salem? <laughs> um, actually, well, I'm, I've got another machine sitting next to me on the right, and I'm firing up what I can and trying to make sure that it's running correctly, because obviously today I've received the 1080 video cards. You, you, are, just, you are just made of money. You just poo money. It's just crazy. I poo but video as, cards. Uh, as you poo video cards, why don't you give us a quick update as to what that card's like and how it's running? Um, well, you know, I, I'm used to picking up you know, video cards and stuff, and they come in a massive box full of plastic and and cables and crap and, and tons of stuff and CDs and um, big pictures and flash stuff when you open it up and you go, ooh, this looks really, really exciting. And um, to receive this teeny little box that barely fits the card is quite refreshing, actually. Um, it takes less power connectors, so it's nice, a little 8-pin uh, power connector, plopped it in, fired it up, absolutely amazing. Uh, I picked up a a 4K monitor, which actually is not as much fun as you might think, because instantly really? all your apps are 
teeny tiny and you've got to try and <laughs> put your nose against the screen to be able to read the configs to be able to sort of change the skins and make them a little bit bigger and stuff so um, yeah games are pretty I haven't had a chance to really give it a run for its money yet but it definitely seems to be um, definitely you know a little bit better than the the 980 Ti but not significantly better so what sort of frame rates are you getting on Elite Dangerous, say, at 4K with that card? Right, well, with the T980, I was getting anywhere between 70 to a ridiculous amount. So it did really, really quick on that. Um, and if you give me a bit of time, I will go and do a quick frame rate check again now and let you know what it is now because I've not looked at it since. Awesome. Okay, well, whilst you do that, let's just quickly pick up a few more things that came out from uh, David Braben. Not so much from the Ask Me Anything, but uh, from the live uh, the live event he did with um, <clears throat> with Ed and co. Um, so it turns out he loves figure rolls. I don't know why that uh, that came up. I must admit, I haven't watched all of the eight hours, but yes, apparently he loves figure rolls. So instead of I sending... Think- sorry, I was going to say, instead of sending him pizzas to, uh, to the devs next time, maybe we just need to send them great big boxes of figure rolls. I think this is something to do with Ed's uh, daily lunchtime stream, where he's always doing biscuit reviews. Right. So okay. I'm assuming, well, as part of that, he, you, know, it came up that apparently Frontier get shipments of fig rolls in, and they all seem to be the first biscuits to go. <laughs> Superb. Okay. To be uh, fair, who doesn't love fig rolls? Yeah. <laughs> is a fig roll a biscuit or a cake, though? Oh, it's a biscuit. Definitely a biscuit. <laughs> like a shadow of a doubt, it's a biscuit. <laughs> Just like a Jaffa cake's a biscuit. Although it's called a cake, but it's definitely a biscuit. Anyway, well, so other things that came yeah. out of the, the, uh, the David Brain one, um, he was asked about the Alliance, because obviously I, I love the Alliance, but I, there doesn't seem to have been much love for that particular faction uh, since the game came out. So what David said is that the Alliance will grow more. Uh, the first step is the listening station, which we already created with the uh, community goal. What community goal was that? I can't remember for life me what uh, listening station we made. It was one that happened when I wasn't around, but I was. I know I do remember seeing it and thinking I should really go and help with that, but real life kind of got in the way for it. But I think this is gearing up towards this third. Or was it, yeah, third expansion where we just don't know what the heck is coming in the winter. So you think um, this winter expansion isn't going to be aliens, you think it's going to be the Alliance? Well, the Alliance, though, as we know, have had dealings with the Thargoids in the past. Mm-hmm. So anything goes, I think. Well, that would be, uh, be a double whammy, won't it, if we get the Alliance playable and in- involved and also get an alien race as well? Well, I, I think... I mean, this is pure wild speculation, which is something we never ever do. Not on this show, no. No, 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 no. But yeah, I I think that part of the reason the Alliance has been sitting out in the back burners is to basically leave them alone and let us all ignore them and forget about them. And then suddenly it's just going to be BAM! And, you know, here's the Alliance, here's the Thargoids in your face, and it's going to hurt. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see a combination of um, Alliance and Thargoid ships. So the Alliance have actually found the the Thargoid technology and have it incorporated it into their ragtag fleet. So you have a mixture of sort of like old old Terran vessels uh, mixed in with alien technology. I think that would be a, a really cool aesthetic. 
and the alliances have a tendency of having a hodgepodge of ships, shall we say. Well, exactly. So having a hodgepodge of Terran and also, you know, Thargoid technology, I think, would be awesome. Oh, God, could you imagine how frustrated some Federation players are going to be when all these people have been repping off with the Alliance suddenly <laughs> get artificial gravity and shadows, shadow-style beams and all that kind of stuff. Or, <laughs> crap, you know, like vessels that look like the shadow vessels and things. That would be so much fun. <laughs> anyway. Uh- <laughs> Speaking about other sort of vapor ships or ships that we'd like to see, um, he was asked about the the Panther Clipper, which he said he can't reply to this one, but he's also very keen for it to come out soon. Now, the Panther Clipper is one that we saw in early, um, what's it called, concept art. We saw it in concept art, but we haven't really seen it for, for quite some time. So, yeah, I'm just wondering at what stage they're going to drop the Panther Clipper on us, because... Uh, that would certainly be one ship that I would love to fly. I like my T9, don't get me wrong, but a Panther Clipper fully tanked up I think would be uh, would be awesome. Um, also, the, the crate. Somebody's been asking about the crate. I wonder who that might be. Uh, David just simply says that there's more ships that are coming. It doesn't take much longer to create a large ship than a small ship. So it's not a matter of time, more about um, which ships are being developed. Uh, no multi-crew plan for the SRVs. Not sure I'd even want that, but okay. No, actually, no, I would want that, guys. Because I can see the, I can see the point of that. If you have one person on the guns and the other person driving, you'd have on the SRV. That would actually, yeah. Well, yes, you would. We need a baby to get a bigger SRV, but I could see how that would work as a game dynamic as well. Um, Ship delivery is coming. It's well developed so far. Now that is good because having getting all my ships across from Shinrata to Lave Station, so I had the right sort of ships to running every sort of mission that I can get from Lave Radio Network. Uh, that was a ball lake. That was a real ball lake, especially with some of the ships like the Vulture that didn't have the best um, the best drive equipped to it. Um, to be able to actually sort of just order it and pay a bit of cash and get it delivered. Yeah, even if it takes a you know a couple of days or something like that, maybe not a couple of days, but if, even if it takes a certain amount of time, I'm happy to wait rather than doing it myself. So I think that's quite a good uh, uh, a good implementation. Anything else from the David side of things that you guys want to pick up on, or should we move on to the wonderful Mister Brooks? I think I mean, you've not mentioned that the Guardians two point two boot is already in work. Yeah, we did mention that. We did mention that certain people are already working on that particular um, <laughs> that particular iteration. Uh, again, they've said that just like engineers, there might be a delay to it because they want to make sure they release it when it's ready. And, and fair play to Frontier for sticking to their guns on this one and just you know making sure that they don't get sort of pushed into uh, into releasing stuff that they're not happy with. You know, even if it means we have to wait an extra few weeks or whatever it means, uh, at least they're actually putting out stuff that they're happy with. I mean, obviously, we we all know the the history with David about um, Frontier and First Encounters um, getting pushed out, full of bugs and stuff that he wasn't happy on. I don't think he's ever forgotten it. So uh, I think it's good that uh, they have this capability now to just release stuff when they are actually happy to release it. Grant, you're back. You have some FPS updates for us. Yes, uh, it's sitting comfortably ticking over when I'm idle at about 58, 50, 60 frames per second. But when I start to get outside the station um, and inside the station, when I start moving, it jumps up to, oh, crikey, 80, 90, 120. And that's running 4K. So, wow. yeah, it's, it's smooth as a 
yeah, anything is just beautiful. Now, it does make me wonder, because obviously at the, was it the second LaveCon? It was the second LaveCon, where Frontier brought their ridiculous beast of a rig that took, like, two people to carry it into the actual, uh, into the event. Um, do you know what that was running and how it compares to your sort of, like, consumer tech now? Um, I've no idea. I can only imagine that they would have been running, you know, some of the, what you call them, Titans. Um, and this card is rumoured to outperform the Titan, which uh, and use less power, so there's less heat build up as well. I mean, and, and that's that's been the thing. It's running elite just now. Normally, my machine creeps up to sort of 35, 36 degrees on the temperature gauge. It's sitting at a steady 32, so the fans aren't going hell for leather at the moment, which is great, especially when the temperature outside here is is ridiculously hot uh, for Scotland at the moment. It's been unpleasantly hot today, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's. I'll have to go back and change to you know standard resolution because it's so hard when you're suddenly staring at it and it's there to recognise the sort of big differences between 4K and the normal. But it's the reflection. It's the fact that everything looks real. Real in what sense? It's like a, it's like someone's put a massive model of a space station in space, whereas beforehand you just kind of, you know, because you take these things for granted. These assets are just, you know, they're there and you just fly around them and you dock them and you move on to your next thing. You don't spend any time sort of really examining them. But when you've got the 4K monitor, when you're flying around it, you're aware of the sort of uh, solidity of it. It looks solid. It looks, everything's clear. You can see, you know, every little detail of of it and it looks like a model it looks like it's built whether or not it feels like it's a station or not I think that's something that um, is kind of you know depends on you as, a, as in when your head's in the game uh, I've got Norman uh, sorry Ventura asking whether or not uh, it would affect how it will affect the VR again I'm not expecting it to be any more impressive than the change from the well I was running on a 970 card no it wasn't it was a yeah, it was the nine. Was it? Yeah, nine seventy. I think it was, and to go from that to the nine eighty Ti, the VR changed dramatically. It was just super smooth, and I don't think any increase in the smoothness is going to be apparent between the nine eighty Ti, which is more than ample, and these ten eighty cards. But you know, we I'll give it a road test, and next week I can report back on you know thorough testing. I did some four uh, K. Um, arena gameplay and that was special as well that's just you know it just feels the blacks are more black the lights glow more like a light it's yeah it's just these little details and they don't stand out as such until you kind of spend time looking at them and are you bringing all of this gear down to uh, to LaveCon with you, especially a 4K monitor? Because I would love to see what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing I've noticed about the 4K monitor, and it may well just be the, the particular model that I've got, is, you know, when you were, when old monitors, if you didn't sit staring at it directly on, you could kind of get a glare from it. It would sort of go a bit washed out from the sides. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely a degree of that with this particular screen, but straight on, it is stunning. The visuals of the ship are just, you know, the, the, it, it looks real. I can practically see, you know, smell the leather. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, it is, it is definitely um, very, very pretty. But going from the 980 to, to this, it doesn't feel any significantly prettier. Uh, we are sitting steadily outside the station watching it rotate with NPCs at 75 frames per second. So, it's definitely more a very, really very capable card. I will... Um, see, I wasn't sure which would be more demanding for VR or 4K, so I'm running the 4K and it seems to be good. And yes, this particular rig will be coming down to LaveCon. However, it's going to be driving stuff on the main stage. And it's wondering whether or not we want to do a Vive demonstration on the main stage and have some gaming in that, uh, which would be an absolute hoot. <laughs> well, of Can course, you don't get... Go on, Ben. Can you get 4K projectors? Oh. I'm assuming they're probably crazy, stupid, horrible, well, expensive. No, because there's the new technology for cinemas and stuff, and you're talking sort of between... Not that I've looked into it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> not Fred that I've looked Susie's into birthday? it. Um, Susie's birthday is in a week. Um, oh. she, doesn't want a f- <laughs> she doesn't want a 4K monitor uh, a, 4, a 4K projector that's for sure but, but my brother is obsessed with building the sort of like you know proper uh, full cinema surround and full everything and when he was last looking before 4K became kind of more commercially available you were talking three to four thousand pounds for a 4K projector um, and I think his ideal setup for a projector is around about currently sitting at 32,000. So that's his dream projector. Um, whether or not we ever realise that, I don't think so. I don't think anybody can justify that unless you were literally going to charge your friend's admission. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> okay well uh, what we're going to do because I think we've got a few technical issues with Mr Jarvis so what we're going to do is we're going to jump to a couple of adverts and try and get him back on the call and then once we've done that we'll be right back just to wrap up some of the other dev points before going on to our main topic of the show okay well if you just give me two seconds while I there we go there we go God, honestly what are you like so what we'll do I think is we'll do an advert and then we might do a, a little song then so that's cool. YouTube. Oh, excellent Lave Radio Transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. Hi, I'm Trent Stephen Findlist Jr. And I'm here to tell all you pilots about a great new service. Take a listen to my friend, Pete. My name's Pete and I'm a long distance haulier. I drive a Puma shipping farm machinery from Leasty to Sawayo. I love my family and I don't mind being a hard working blue collar dad. But I'm tired of seeing my family grow old in front of my eyes. Every time I make the run there and back, I lose 15 days in hyperspace. My family is starting to notice that they're getting older and I'm not. My wife had a baby last week. I did a week of shifts and now my kids got teeth. I wish there was some way my family could get old at the same speed as me. There is, Pete. How? By buying into my new service, Findlist Cryogenics. We aim to put the freeze on the premature ageing of your family. The process is simple. Our unique family centres allow you to drop off your loved ones on the way to work. Simply hire the number of cryogenic pods you need and keep your family asleep while you fly among the stars. We ensure synchronicity with your flight patterns so they spend the same time awake that you spend in the cockpit. And when you get home, bingo! Your family is the same age as you. Never lose family time in hyperspace again. We guarantee that you'll never miss another birthday, anniversary or funeral. Wow, Trent. That sounds great. Where do I sign? 
Simply put your credit card details into our special webpage under the hashtag #WeFreezeYourLove. We'll take care of the amounts. No need to worry about that. It's so simple. I can't wait to keep my family in a secure block of ice. It's a weight off my mind. Findalist Cryogenics. Now at your local spaceport. Findalist Cryogenics. Because the family that grows old together goes cold together. Eight-hour marathon. Obviously, the uh, the wonderful Mr. Brooks. Have you guys seen? Have you guys seen his axe? <laughs> I've seen photos of his axe, and his axe looks suitably epic. It does look epic. It looks awesome. Did he? Am I right in thinking? Was it made in America and shipped over here? Uh the guy who made it sounds very Irish, but I do think he's an American. Yes. 
Because, you know, can you imagine the... Would that get shipped over an aeroplane or a boat? Or you know, can you imagine taking out a plane? <laughs> well, I'm assuming that they've got... Um, they must have cargo scanners and stuff if you're putting that through as freight. So imagine that going through on the X-ray and showing up. <laughs> uh, there seems yeah. to be a six-foot massive axe uh, in this particular box. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's an awesome idea. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's phenomenal. For those people that haven't been following uh, Michael Brooks on Facebook, uh, obviously he is into all things Cthulhu, um, and he's into all sort of things, axes and uh, helmets. It's one of his passions. And he's gotten and got himself a custom-made biomechanic axe. Uh, So part axe, part biomechanical steampunk, um, well, Cthulhu sort of HR Geiger uh, almost-inspired axe. Um, it is awesome, but it's also about what five foot, six foot. It's about the same height as Mike, I think. It is about the same height as Mike, and how you'd ever pick that thing up and actually wield it around uh, is beyond me. But it does look absolutely awesome. I think he might be taking it to Lavecon if he can fit it in his car. I was going to say I have asked him to bring it to Lavecon, but I just worry about the uh, the suspension in his car driving it all the way down. Uh, from Cambridge to Northampton. Mm. Or worse still, it's sticking out of the boot or out of the, one of the passenger side windows <laughs> as he goes down the motorway. Imagine having to explain that when you get pulled over. Yeah, just imagine him going past various motorcyclists. <laughs> yes. Uh, is this your axe, sir? Yes. <laughs> well, on the other hand, you know, if you're a policeman, are you really going to question a man with a six-foot six axe in his car? <laughs> Yes. Without backup. Without backup. Um, okay, so um, other things that Michael Brooks says. Obviously, there are new books about the law of elite. Uh, they are coming, and we've known that for a while. We've known they've been just getting the, the last few out of the gate. Well, I said the last few. Uh, the last one of the original licensees out of the gate, which is obviously the, uh, the role-playing game. And then after that, they are looking at a few more books. Which will be going? They won't be going out to sort of mass uh, licensees. There'll be one or two that they they work on uh, at a time. But great that there's more books and more law coming out from the elite universe. I think that's a great. Uh, I think that's a great boon to it, Grant. Yeah, I, w- I was just going to bring up that contentious point that it's not the last one, but it's the last one that's done anything. Because of course we've got the other three licenses. Ah, uh, well, yes, yeah, I was, yeah, I was wondering where you're going with that. Yes, yeah, so there are a few, obviously. Uh, still absentee books a few guys still sunning themselves in the Bahamas um, but I mean I don't know where you sit with that I mean is it our job as Kickstarter backers and Indiegogo backers to, uh, to, to chase them is it Frontier who sold them the license whose responsibility is it to chase down those final few that are never going to see the light of day well it's, it's just interesting the fact that you know um, when we were querying uh, and pushing Frontier to try and get involved and put a rocket up some people's bottoms their attitude was well they've paid for the license, they've got you know there's no time scale on it but now they're putting a time scale on it so (laughs) it's just whether or not they'll just lapse and therefore they'll just lose the license and therefore it creates it because there's going to be an issue if you've got more people coming out that the stories that they were planning to tell may now be told by somebody else so therefore their licenses become redundant so it's interesting to see what will happen to them because obviously there are people that have paid into the kickstarters for those books that are going to receive nothing and then of course there's poor people that we know not too far away from us just now who have submitted work 
to some of these books and are in limbo. Yeah. No, it's a tricky one. I mean, off the top of my head, I think there's, what, maybe three books outstanding um, that uh, I don't think we'll ever see the light of day. Uh, the one, one that I really do miss, uh, I think it's a, a, a crying shame, was the um, oh, it was the, the Final Fantasy type book um, where you could sort of choose your adventure. Yeah, you're in Fighting uh, Fantasy rather than Final Fantasy. That was it, yeah. Fine, fighting Fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember if that was... Was that Nathan... Nathaniel? Either way. Um, I really like the concept idea of that, uh, to have a fighting fantasy book based on the elite, uh, the elite universe. So if that has lapsed and anybody is far more creative than me with far more time on their hands than me and wants to do a uh, elite dangerous, uh, fighting fantasy book, I will actually give you more money to try and get that made again. <laughs> you, you are just a complete nutter sucker. You're more of a Kickstarter <laughs> sucker than I am. <laughs> oh dear. No. The books I don't mind. It's when I back massive bits of technology that uh, that never show up. That's the bit that bugs me on those things. And Indiegogo, my God, that place should be closed down. They have absolutely... I'm probably doing uh, something very wrong and illegal to uh, to say bad things about them in a public forum, but uh, they are hopeless at, uh, at closing down services that are obviously scams. They really are. Anyway, we digress. I think it's... So, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't jump in, but I, I do think with the, the licensing issue... I do think it's not really down to to Frontier to to kind of chase these things. I think it is down to the backers to chase individual pro- projects. I mean, Frontier kind of you know went went through with their side of things by kind of providing the license to people and giving them an opportunity, and they haven't taken that opportunity. I mean, if they'd privately funded it, if they'd put the money in their own pockets and given Frontier that Kickstarter pledge and then never produced anything frontier wouldn't chase them so it's it's not it can't really be different for these other kickstarter projects um i think it's down to i think it's down to individual groups of backers to chase projects you know if they want to and but i think like you say in terms of the time scale i think a lot of those i don't know that i'm not sure that frontier would necessarily pull the license away from people although they might refund them but i think what frontier might do is say well look time's moved on you know you pitched us this original outline for a book um that outline is no longer suitable because of what we're now doing so you've basically got to start from scratch with your kind of design idea um and i don't think that would be unreasonable but I mean, did, um, did Frontier ever sort of get back to us and say that all those licenses that um, were funded on Kickstarter and Indiegogo were they were those funds actually received? Were those licenses sort of paid for and handed over, or were there any sort of outstanding where yeah they were never given the cash for those licenses? I don't know. It's necessarily down to Frontier to divulge that kind of information, um, but I would have thought they did. I don't remember them ever chasing anyone for uh, anything. No. Hmm. Well, what I'm trying to say is, you know, with the sudden change on pressure and this unlimited time, with um, Elite Encounters suddenly be giving a deadline, it would only stand to fairness and reason that the same deadline would have been applied to all licenses. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, I'm pretty confident that uh, that it probably hasn't been, purely just because I don't think Frontier are probably in touch with the other people, because um, they seem to have vanished off the face of the earth. But, yeah speculation who knows maybe they are and maybe they've given the same ultimatum or the same sort of uh, rocket out the backside to them as they have to the encounters guys anyway. they've gone i think some of them have just gone i think you know yeah I, I, i'm <laughs> the same i think you're right um 
So, more stuff coming out from Michael Brooks. He says there'll be some more dangerous places out of the bubble, so explorers be careful. Um, obviously, it's only been live for a few days, but has anybody found anything more dangerous out in the bubble that we heard of? We haven't heard of any explorers uh, blowing up on... Uh... No, nah, just the usual, you know, planets where you have to try and land on. They're, they're dangerous. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he has poo-pooed the, the naming of a ship, which, you know, being able to name your own ship, that's not coming anytime soon, which is a shame, but I'm guessing that must be something server-side in terms of keeping track of everybody's ship names and stuff, which must be a nightmare. Uh, it is a shame, because I really would like to be able to name my own ship. Um, and that's pretty much it, apart from, obviously, he's also reiterated that planetary mining, they're looking at various different mechanics to do planetary minings, but it's not going to come anytime soon. I think, unless anybody else picked up anything else from those things that I've missed, I think that's probably going to do it for the for the dev. So, I mean, fair play to them for doing an eight-hour launch uh, cast. I've dipped into bits and pieces of it. It was really, really good. The Ask Me Anything was really, really good from David. So great to see some... Yeah, you know, some more information coming out, uh, coming out from Frontier Towers. But uh, yeah, uh, quite a few people have been saying that uh, it didn't actually give us all that much new information, considering how much time they actually invested in it. But hey ho, yeah, that is Frontier. They will drip feed and drip feed and drip feed, and that's what we have a podcast like ours for. Um, okay, so let's move on to the main topic of this show, which is all around <clears throat> the increase of AI competency especially around combat that has come from the latest update um, now the question we sort of raise is you know should we now go back and do a complete server wipe almost something you know something big and nuclear and set everybody back down to to their base level uh, purely because everybody's ranking and everybody's um, awards uh, that they've got so far kind of goes out the window based on this new AI. It's a whole new ball game out there. Um, and should we now start talking about resetting the galaxy back to zero in order to create a level playing field uh, so that people's ranks are actually realistic as opposed to based on stuff that happened before the 2.1 release? Now, Jarvis, I know you're all about balancing games, so why don't you kick us <laughs> off with this one? Yeah, I'm going to tell you what my thinking was with this. My thinking was that it's... We've we've had it before. Um, we've had a situation whereby the with the missions, so they they changed the criteria for the missions at one point, and we ended up in a situation whereby there were some people who'd been able to play the game early on and uh, had kind of benefited from the missions being easier. I.e., there'd been there'd been more accessible missions, so they've been able to make loads and loads of money. Um, basically, oh, that's pretty. I'm being I'm being destroyed by missiles. Um, people were able to to make loads and loads of money when the missions had a totally different set of criteria, and um, then they changed the game and made it so that actually only certain missions appeared for you uh, based on rankings or various other requirements. And actually, there was a certain amount of you know hard feeling in certain parts of the community where some people had been able to benefit from those earlier easier missions and had got ahead in the game and other people that were just coming into it were finding it a much harder grind up from a sidewinder than it used to be now it occurred to me with this the ai is now much harder you know the interdictions come harder if you get interdicted by an elite ship it's very difficult to survive um so my feeling is if you're if you're someone who's up at the sort of upper levels of the game 
and you're trying to get yourself into an anaconda or a clipper or any of these things, suddenly the goalposts for you have been moved. It's now not as easy for you to get up and get the money and get the combat reputation, all these other things that you need to, 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 to make those ships work. And you're going to feel very hard done by when you see all these other players flying around in anacondas that they won using an easier version of the game than you are now playing. Now, I know that's very contentious, and I know there's going to be lots of people in anacondas who are going to say, oh, I didn't have an easy time, I worked very hard to get my anaconda or whatever. But there is, the, the fact remains there is, every time you balance the game, and every time you change rules in a game, you move the goalposts for people, and you make it, in some respects, you devalue everything that everyone's earned up until that point. I mean, you talk about exploring. You know, we've certainly, me, and there were people talking about... Um, you know this the journey to Sagittarius A and there are plenty of people out there who were part of the first great expedition lots of Hutton Orbital truckers they made the journey to Sagittarius A before you even had point-to-point route planning in the galaxy map they had to do all their planning manually and there is an argument to say that it is much they made much more of an achievement when they went to Sagittarius A just doing it a couple of stars at a time than now when you can actually plot thousands of light years worth of journey up front. So what I was kind of what I was kind of saying with this is is that if we've now drastically changed the difficulty of the game, you know, should there be should there be a server reset? I don't think they'd get away with that. But are people feel because I, I very nearly thought, you know, this game has now just the little bit I've played it, it's changed so drastically, I feel I've got to relearn how to play it. And there is a part of me that just wanted to wipe my save and start from scratch and just think, well, look, if this is, you know, I don't want the game to now treat me like a competent combat yeah. pilot or someone in an ASP. I want it to treat me like a noob in a sidewinder and see how I get on. Do you, do you understand where I'm coming from with it? Yeah, no, I absolutely understand. And, you know, even that sad J thing, you've got to think about with the advent of engineers as well, with the you know, upgrades to frameshift drives and the capability of that. Again, what you're saying about it sort of lessening the ability or lessening the achievement, rather, of getting sad J uh, compared to those first early days explorers. You're absolutely right. Um, it, it is changed. The galaxy has changed. Um, <laughs> I'd love to see them get away with doing a server wipe, though. That would just be that would be hilarious. Um, I don't think they would. I think there's there's too many people too invested in the the galaxy as we currently have it uh, to sort of accept that kind of level of uh, rebalance. But I mean, speaking about rebalancing, um, we have had uh, an update today from from Zach Antonacci. Um, where he sort of addressed this and he said, you know, one of the most hotly debated topics in the community since Engineers has been released is the artificial intelligence and the NPC changes. Um, and he says there's absolutely no denying the fact that higher ranked NPCs are now tougher to beat than ever before. He said the aim of the, the aim of the game was obviously to balance between having combat that challenges you and is exciting while not being so challenges that it spoils your ability to enjoy the galaxy and the game from a day-to-day basis. Do you think they've got that right? Do you think, I mean, I haven't come across many elite, um, elite ranked players, fortunately, since I've been back in there. I've, I've come across a few competents and a few masters that have given me a good old run for my money. But do you think, you know, the dangerous and the elites are too overpowered? Ben? I don't think that they're too overpowered at the moment. I've come across a, I'm, I'm master at the moment and I've come across a, deadly or a master federal assault ship 
um, whilst I was in my um, anaconda. So, you know, the Federal Assault Ship's a very, very tough little ship. Well, not tough, not so little ship. And that was a hard fight, but it was a fun fight. Um, but I think before Frontier think about doing any major AI changes, they've got to fix the bugs that we're having already in-game. So, for example, we've got essentially multi-cannon plasma accelerators and you know that is blatantly a bug it's been admitted it's a bug by frontier it needs to get fixed and a lot of these insta cutter kills are due to bugs like this rather than the ai being too hard so fix the bugs and then evaluate the situation i think before you jump to anything too radical i just say wipe ben save that that will make us all <laughs> that'll make us all feel better. Just just bends. <laughs> I think I, I agree with you, Ben. In some respects, the, the part of the issue is about outstanding problems. And I'm, I'm going to apologise to everyone. I'm going to be I'm going to be banging a drum. I've been banging for a really long time. Um, but with the whole issue of people, I'm going to say it, people not wanting to take part in PvP. That was. That, that is and has always been because Elite Dangerous does not have a balance between traders and combat pilots. There is no balance in this particular multiplayer game between those who want to play a non-combat role and those who want to play a combat role. Combat role wins every time because traders have no tools for defence. They don't get bodyguards, they don't get automated drones, they don't get fast legal response. All of those things have, have, for me, completely broken the balance in the game between those who want to be traders and those who want to be fighters. Um, what the, what's happened with them changing the AI is that they've taken what was a PvP problem and they've now made it a problem that is also prevalent in solo. I mean, if people didn't want to play in open because they didn't want to just get killed for no reason without having any recourse... They've now got that problem in solo. They're going to get killed for no reason without any in-game recourse. So I th I'm really hoping that this change to the AI is going to be followed by Frontier very swiftly coming up with some means of actually balancing the game for people who aren't interested in just murdering all the time. Because that's that's the thing. It's you know you don't want it to be just a pew pew game. You, I know some people are saying, oh well, it's meant to be dangerous. God, if I hear one more person say it's elite dangerous, I'm going to probably actually throttle somebody. Um, the the point is, the thing that made elite wonderful is that you could come to it and you could play it a hundred different ways. You could forge your own path. You could be the kind of space adventurer that you wanted to be. And actually, at the moment, you can't. The, the, the new AI changes and playing in open, it's forcing you to play the game in a very particular way. And it's making it very, very niche and very, very single-minded. And I think the game is weaker for that. All right, I'm going to call complete and utter BS to that, Chris, I'm afraid. You know, the traders you do have a... Yeah, traders do have means to defend themselves. It's called get some shields and get some guns. Don't run around in a Type 6 with no shields and expect to live. It doesn't work. What you, it does. It, it doesn't work. work. What, does, what does a Type Six with shields do against a wing of four anacondas? Obviously, nothing. Exactly. But, yeah, you you wouldn't expect that to do anything. But okay, so we take it back to classic Elite or even classic Frontier. When how many times were you running around and having to run away from ships, having to engage in combat? You know, I remember in in Elite. You know, I've, as I've always said, 
you go into Reedquart and it's a bum clencher. And when you see Thargoids, you know you're a dead man. And yeah, I that, don't... That was, that was massively not, unbalanced bad design. Chris. Yeah, but that was bad unbalanced design. bad design. Games have moved on since then. <laughs> Games have moved they, on. Yeah, but they haven't yeah, become more care bear. That's not no, I don't think design. that, but I think, you, but I think you balance it. I think you have a thing where you you design your game so that I mean, you look at you look at games that have like multiple different classes. You have to balance the classes and say this class of player fights this class of player. They fight in two completely different ways, but their classes are balanced. At the moment in Elite, you have two classes, one of which always wins over the other. It's like instead of playing rock paper scissors, we're just playing rock paper. What kind of really dangerous is rock paper the game? What kind of balance that a trader would accept as a I want to take this away from my cargo space? Yeah, because they're not willing to sacrifice on shields. They're not willing to go and get guns. What are they willing to do then? I'll tell you exactly what they're willing to do. They're going to walk. They're going to go onto the bulletin board. They're going to say, "I need to do this cargo run. I want to hire two elite bodyguards who are going to follow me all the way there and provide me with escort defence." If we get that, I would love it. That would be an awesome solution. But would you willingly sacrifice your prop? Would you willingly sacrifice your profits for that? You always sacrifice profits for business expenses. Oh, I if agree. If it's meant to be a business simulator, that is the sort of, you can't, you know, if you're going to take the risk and say, well, I'm just going to have my entire livelihood in my hold and try and fly it solo, that is 100% up to you. That is a, that is a totally valid approach. Um, and that's where you run the risk and either try and, you know, fly around, um, safe systems or you know you just clench your bum and try and run every time you get a sack. my point is that is the only option available to you it is, what about it, is your... luck. it is luck as to whether or not you get into if you get interdicted you've lost what that's about it. your shipboard your game is over. we're going to be getting in 2.2 or whenever that's coming so what Would about you... what we're getting shipboard fighters in 2.2 i think it is would you they be a right? acceptable idea you've got you're in your so you're in your type nine and you've got what a, a, an say an imperial eagle in your in your ship bay, mm-hmm. and you get jumped on by a, a wing of three vultures. What is your imperial eagle going to do against a wing of three? So you still prefer? Yeah, you'd, I mean, I, I would. I have to. I would love to be able to hire AI NPCs. I think it would be an awesome idea. Um, and obviously, you know, you, whether you pay them as a as a daily stipend or, you know, I will hire you to escort me to there or anywhere. Anyway, I think Grant is trying to get a word in edgeways, and we, I'm well, going to shut up for him. I was just going to, I was just going to call bullshit on your bullshit call. <laughs> Excellent. We love a load of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and it is just down to the one thing, and it is, it's the second you put a cargo hold in in your ship, you cannot compete. You're in a ship that is not designed for combat, so you cannot defend yourself. You can only run, and even in running, the, the combat ships can they can and you know they can reinforce the hull, have their shield boosters, and it's just kitted out 100% for that. That's all. You cannot compete in a trading ship against that. So what you can do is drop your pants and then you know move on with a sore backside if that player even is going to go down the route of taking cargo as payment. Half the time they just want to blow you out of the sky. So. That's the, the inequality, the, the inability to, to balance odds in your favour. For example, if trade ships could have some kind of even faster charging uh, frame shift drive, or if the sort of uh, your ability to 
what's the word now, mass block the pirate ships and you be able to get out quicker, then that's giving you back into the sort of tale of the will, at least I can run quicker, I might lose my shields, I might, you know, even better, being able to put your full shield power to your arse, you know? So these are different things that would put the traders back in a position of, right, well, I can get out of here now. I'm, give, I'm able to tilt the balance a little bit into my favour in order to get out of here. The escape is the trader's way. The trader does not want to drop cargo. But equally, it needs to be balanced at a point that the difference between the pilots is not so much the hardware, but more the skill of the pilot. And that's what's missing, because it was always pitched to us that a battle and combat in space would be very unlikely to result in a death. If you remember, that was the original way back in Kickstarter. They wanted combat to be an experience that went on until either both parties left, or it was really going to be difficult to get to a point where you could destroy someone. That went out the window in Al. Alpha. Yeah, <laughs> so it would be nice to see the point where a trader could have some kind of defensive mechanisms, whether they could make turrets more effective, you know, where you could get better turrets. Let's, for example, get let's get big, massive, piss-off anti-pirate guns on the back of a trader to make it difficult for them so that they can't just sit in your arse while you charge up your frame shift and just wipe you off the face of the planet. That's where the imbalance lies. I mean, it's... I say, when you get a good pirate, it actually enhances your gameplay. It is much more fun to be able to sort of survive an encounter with someone who is giving you your options, and they go away paid, and you go away happy that your ship's intact because that's your investment. Uh, but it's when you don't get the choice that's a problem. Yeah, okay. From from my side of things, I think you're. I think you're all got uh, reasonably good points to make, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of changes you'd have to make in order to try and sort of bring those two classes um, back together. I mean, just thinking back to the old Frontier days, I never really had a problem, you know, in my Panther Clipper uh, holding off uh, pirates and stuff because the thing was tanked. You know, it was an absolute beast, and maybe that should be the the way forward for for trade ships. They they have a much thicker hull because they're trade ships. So okay, so you can take their shields down, but instead of blowing them up, all you actually manage to do, really, unless you're really giving it some big guns, is blow a hole in the side of their their cargo. You know that would work better for pirates. It would kind of work better for the trade ship in terms of the fact they only they only lose their you know, some of their cargo as opposed to losing their entire ship. And then you look at building up on that tank. So, as you say, you, you get better point defense weapons, or you give them some sort of advantage with the multi crews, or you give them better advantage in terms of the the fighter base. So, if you were to launch and start going off in a in a small fighter, you knew that you had enough tank on your on your trade vessel to be able to hold out whilst you actually try to do something about it in your you know, in your small ship. But just going back to uh, to what they've said in terms of the, the whole balance issue that currently exists in the game, um, interestingly, they've taken the decision to remove any of the engineering upgrades from NPCs. So now the NPCs will not have any of the upgrades that are available through engineers. So is it the fact that in order to be able to survive in the game that you have to go through the, the engineering plot lines and build up your ship and build up the you know the arsenals and the various sort of upgrades on your vessels in order to be able to give you the edge over the new combat ai and make it more of a level playing field again is that one of the things you think the frontier have looked at and thought well actually this is actually a a way of getting people to engage in the engineers 
Chris? Sorry, I must confess I've completely missed that because I've just spent the last five minutes trying to dock at Canterland Station. <laughs> no I've worries. Now I've now dropped into a private group to try and get a pad. Okay, so <laughs> the fact that uh, Frontier have dropped all um, engineering boosts to AI and NPC players. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're going to actually get a, a handle on this increased AI, you have to go down the engineering route to get those mods to your ship. Yeah, it's what I've always said about the uh, things like the the extra items and stuff from planet surfaces and the crafting and the engineers. As soon as that is introduced, it then becomes an arms race that you kind of have to take part in. Um, that said, I do think it's a good idea to deny those kind of extra kind of enhancements to to NPCs. I think when you come into a game with NPCs, you sort of expect the NPCs to present quite vanilla behavior and that doesn't mean they can't be good but i think that as a player you want to feel that it goes back to the old hero thing you kind of want something that makes you feel like you're you're outside of the ordinary or um that you know kind of almost sets you apart from the crowd and i think i think because of the overpowered nature of some of the engineers add-ons i think it makes sense to have that as the thing which you know, which def- differentiates players from engineers. But it does mean, of course, that, I mean, you know, PvP will always, will still be very difficult because then that will be potentially engineer enhancements versus engineer enhancements. But I think, yeah, I think denying it from NPCs is, is the way to go. I think that was completely the right call. Um, and I, yeah, interesting. But would you say that you now have to get those upgrades in order to be able to cope with the new AI in game? <laughs> No, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't say you have to. I mean, if you look at it, if you were to look at it on paper, you would say that if you're in a, a well kitted out Cobra and your AI is in a well kitted out Cobra, then re- if it's the same sort of, if it's the same loadout between you, then at the end of the day, it comes down to player skill versus AI. So you've kind of got an equal chance. If you go into that with engineer upgrades to your shield, hull, and weapons, then actually you're tipping the odds slightly in your favour. So, I mean, it's like an old... Um, some of the old multi-user dungeons used to have a thing where you could consider an enemy. It was the con command. And you would say, you know, con gelatinous blob. And this thing would come up and it would give you a little bit of flavour text that gives you an idea of how well um, suited you are to fighting that creature. Um, and it might say something like, you know, if if you kill it, you'll be lucky, would be the kind of the standard thing that would come back. But actually, you would look at that and you would think, well, you know, I've got decent armour, I've got decent weapons, I've got a decent strategy. Even though on paper, this opponent is better than me, I feel like I'm bringing an extra e- edge into the fight. And I think Elite Dangerous, you know, fighting NPCs could work that way. You could look at it and say, well, I'm a competent pilot. The the, the AI that I'm going to take on is is Elite. But... You know, I've got extra shields, I've got extra engines, I've got extra, you know, I've got missiles that do ludicrously overpowered effects kind of thing. And you might say, well, that's fine. Even as an elite pilot, I think I could take him. Um, Whereas if you were to just say, I've got a standard ship and an elite pilot has a standard ship, you'd look at that and you'd think, well, there's not, there's nothing here that gives me an edge in this fight other than just kind of getting lucky, if you like. Okay, Ben? Uh, can Grant actually go first? I'm just having to help my wingman out. Please. <laughs> Grant, go for it. Yeah, um, 
I think, you know, engineers released this basically license for all combat and PvP players to go and get their engineers done, and then they'll come back with the unfair edge for all the people that can't be arsed with it. Um, I, I don't even have shields half the time. I just don't. It just doesn't bother me. Um, you know, if, if, if I get done by a pirate and he's, he's, he's willing to take some sort of payment, then that makes me happy and I get on with my, my existence and trading. However, I mean, I want to pull up... Um, Chris mentioned earlier on something else that has actually occurred um, with regards to the updates of the NPCs and it's something that I don't know if he was aware of but the police response is far more quick and far brutaler than it used to be. Far more brutal as well. Brutaler, yeah, brutaler. Brutaler. It's a brute, so it is. Um, So when you're in trouble, as long as you've got report crimes against me on... There will be a, a pretty swift police response, and people have been sort of likening it to just being enough. They arrive just as you get jumping to hyperspace, so it's not quite as plain sailing. And of course, when the authorities come in, you don't tend to get a harmless uh, policeman in his harmless viper, so it becomes a bit of a, a test for pirates. And I know that a lot of people that enjoy that are really enjoying the hike in the fear, you know, the fear factor of, right, okay, there comes the police, oh, well, great, it's an eagle, I can take that on, it's not a problem, I'll ignore it. And then the next system, you know, they follow the guy, they take him out into interdiction again, this time his frame shift's damaged and he's not going to get away anywhere near as quick, so they start ramping up the power, and then, you know, two contacts come in, oh, shit, police anacondas, and they've got to make that decision of uh, continuing the rob or getting their arses out of dodge. And that's that's fun. It's not game-breaking um, difficulty. It's just it is a bit more fun, I think, in my book. Jarvis? Yeah, I think I, I should clarify it. I mean, I'm really kind of talking about <laughs> design in principle here because um, people are saying in the, the Switch chat, oh, I actually really like the 2.1 update. I should clarify, I do actually really like the 2.1 update. Um, I haven't had much of a chance to play it since Friday, but so far everything I've seen I've liked. And actually, I mean, you know, we kind of wanted to debate this thing tonight between there's been loads of talk online and on the forums and on Facebook and all these places. There are some people who are saying you know, that the new AI has killed the game for them because it's just made it too hard for them to play. And there are other people who are going, oh, you know what you need to do about that? You need to play the game better, which is, of course, really unhelpful advice. I have to say, I mean, I've been playing it, you know, the amount that I've been playing it, okay, yes, I've I've been having my ass handed to me by the AI, but to be fair, I've been taking missions where I've been having to go and destroy things at surface outposts. So if I'm if I'm taking on a fight and I lose... That's you know what I mean. That's that's kind of my fault, and I have to say I've not found myself in the flying around that I've done. It's not like I get interdicted, you know, every time I fly in any system. So I think I, I tell you what I think is the thing with two point one. I think we've all become very used to playing elite dangerous elite horizons i think we've become very used to playing it a certain way and i I go back to what we said earlier i think 2.1 has completely rewritten the rule book for how you play elite dangerous um and i think people just need to you know kind of unlearn their old habits i think there are ways of playing the game and there are things um that you know you need to to do to kind of like like making sure you don't fly through war-torn systems or, or you know dangerous systems um and I think, you know, I, I just think that's the thing. I think it requires, in some respects, a much fresher set of eyes than than we've had to take to Elite in a really long time. Um, and it might, you know, and it could be, it could be that the AI is completely unbalanced and actually the game is too hard. And I think you can rely on Frontier 
hopefully to balance that although i know the people who who love the ai are saying oh please don't nerf the ai please don't nerf the ai but i think there i think in any game there has to be a balance and a difficulty curve um and i know that frontier want to be as inclusive with their elite community as possible so they're not going to keep an ai thing which only rewards the most hardcore most skilled players um because you know we already know that the frontier don't want to exclude those people from the game um so i think i think 2.1 i think it's going to have teething problems um i think having ai that is capable of being better is a good thing now it's just about actually balancing the game experience and making sure that you face the right challenge in the right place if you see what i mean yeah no i think that's uh, <clears throat> i think that makes perfect sense um does anybody else have anything want to add on the ai issue before we wrap up the show yeah i do think it's going to stay i do think it's going to change uh i think obviously we're not going to go back to what we had before 2.1 i think the ai is here to stay um but i think it'll be interesting to watch over the next month or so to see exactly what gets tweaked and what they change and what they keep uh i for one am certainly going to be going now and doing the engineering stuff which i hadn't planned on doing before but uh as I suck at combat, I think it's not a bad idea to give myself every every uh, every benefit that I can. <clears throat> so I should definitely be doing that. And obviously we'll be reporting back on the what the community have to say about the AI as it gets tweaked over the next couple of weeks and months. Okay, just a, a few quick shout-outs that we want to do before we wrap the show up. The first one is to the wonderful Mr. Drew Wager, author of Elite Reclamation, Metal, and obviously the, the Shadewood Saga. Uh, he's just done a Ask Me Anything, and if you want to go and check out that, there's a nice summary of that at tinyurl.com forward slash Drew Wager. Uh, also want to give a shout-out to Commander Babster. Uh, who is a long-time listener of the show, who got married on Saturday. So congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Commander Babster. Uh, well played. Um, and just a quick shout-out to come... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Just a quick shout-out to a couple of the, the LaveCon sponsors, the Ed Tracker guys. Ed Tracker is proud to be sponsoring LaveCon this year, they say. LaveCon and the Elite Dangerous community have been pivotal in putting ED forward into such a successful position um so they are going to be coming across to lavecon um and hopefully they'll have some uh, some new stuff that obviously they'll have the ed tracker hardware there and they'll have some new stuff to show off to everybody as well and also to the old one productions which are quality art prints t-shirts and chess sets for horror and sci-fi fans you can check them out either at lavecon or you can check them out at oldonesproductions.com anything else anybody else want to shout out before we we close off i guess i have to really thank commander ashley wilkinson for winging up with me today because we've well, we've both saved each other's asses. Because the AI is bloody hard. <laughs> it's a good game to have friends. It is a good game to have friends. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Okay, well that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio at Lave Radio on Twitter, and you can join our Discord channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash Lave Radio. Our TeamSpeak server is teamspeak.laveradio.com. 
And of course, we record this show live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 UK time and stream it out at laveradio.com forward slash live and also on our Twitch page, which is twitch.tv forward slash laveradio. Thanks for everybody that's come to join us in the game this evening. And a big thank you to Mr. Jarvis, Mr. Ford, Mr. Psycho Cow, and of course, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. That's it for another episode. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Two seconds, I'll be right back.